0: Welcome to the Salvatry Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel, the Honda Classic. It's where the PGA Tour is stopping next, and we're going to break it down here from the DraftKings and the DFS fantasy golf perspective at this point. So... Before we get into it, welcome if you're brand new here. And again, I'm covering PGA in a more advanced and in a more in thorough way this season than really last season and any season before. So appreciate it if you are new here and you get any value from this podcast episode and or video, wherever you're tuning in from, whatever platform. Appreciate if you hit the subscribe button on that platform, running a $20 giveaway for new subscribers each week. If you're already a listener on the podcast, you can unsubscribe and resubscribe. If you're on YouTube, you hit the notification bell, you get into that as well. So appreciate all of that. Welcome to everybody here. And I will call out that I do have my data sheets as well as a, a Closing Thoughts podcast, discuss ownership, discuss game theory, as well as the players that I like over on Patreon each week that usually goes up uh, about a day before or the morning of. This This event is going to lock at 6.45 a.m. on Thursday, so this one will be out on Wednesday tomorrow, the exclusive content. So thanks for being here. Let's get into this one, and we're going to start. So Honda, the Honda Classic, it is uh, the PGA National course. It's one of the toughest courses, number two ranked, second most... Difficult course. The bear trap, um, I believe, holds 15 through 17 on the back nine. It is a very difficult course. The front nine starts off pretty easy, so you can get going there. But, I mean, two, three years ago, the, the cut was plus six. Last year, I believe it was a plus three cut. So it's a difficult course without a doubt. And you have a weaker field coming off of the WGC, heading into the Florida swing. You have the Arnold Palmer Invitational next week, and then another WGC shortly after that. The players, of course. So this is just very similar to the Valspar, which closes the month and the the four weeks here on the Florida swing. The um, Honda Classic is is a weaker field more times than not. Now, last year you had Keith Mitchell just coming out of nowhere and dominating a a bad field because he he didn't even get hot with the putter like you would think. He only gained 0.9 strokes with the putter. But he did get hot on the last putt of the contest for himself. Knocked down a 15-footer to uh, what would have been a forced playoff between Mitchell, Brooks, and, and Ricky last year. It didn't have to go that way because he knocked down the 15-footer. Brooks, Ricky finishing uh, second there, both of them T2. Brooks gained 12 strokes overall. Ricky, 11.8. Mitchell, 12.8 to get the victory there. So they're all in this field. You have the returning champion in this field and Keith Mitchell, although priced nowhere near the guys who finished T2. The only top 10 in the field is Brooks Kepka, but there are top uh, or 10 top 40 players in this field. This course is 7,100 yards, a little bit more than that. It is a par 70 course. So it's not about distance here by any means. So it just opens it up for a lot of players. And you saw last year, Keith Mitchell can end up winning this thing, heading to the Florida swing. So you get more Bermuda greens, not as much POA that can change for some of these types of players. The par threes here are going to be very difficult. Winning is usually in the single digits is what you'll see. If your guy is at plus one after day one, that's nowhere near as bad as it usually is. Uh, He's right in it. If going into the weekend after the cut, you're only at minus one or minus two, you're right in it because the winning score might just be a minus five, depending on how difficult this course plays for what is a weaker field this season. So, um, the par four, sixth hole was the fourth hardest hole on tour last year, just to give you an idea of what these guys are going to be dealing with a ton of hazards, a ton of water, water, uh, sans save percentage is actually going to be somewhat viable here and needed since there are so many hazards here. It is meant to make these the best of the best, which don't come out for this event, but 10 of the top 40, the best of the best world-class golfers in the world struggle. And I like watching them have a difficult time out there and, and seeing lower scores and, and really keeping the field at all times on the weekend, seeming like anybody can break free with a hot putter day or just a hot day on a pro. And really take over the whole event. So, you get the Bermuda Greens here. um, You get a situation where, as of right now, there's just not a lot of guys in this field. I mean, you have the price ranges for the first time in a while, just four guys in the 10K plus range, and leading it at the top is Tommy Fleetwood. So, if you're new to my content for YouTube purposes, um, there's obviously 125, 125 plus guys in this field from each pricing tier 10K and above, nine, eight, seven. I'll point out one to two guys and I'll discuss them. About why I like them. You can see my marked interests are on the screen. I didn't put notes in yet, that'll be on Patreon. But a uh, yes it means I like them, and no means right now I'm probably not going to get much, but it's still early in the week. And then uh, a maybe means that, yeah, they're obviously somebody I'll look more into depending on ownership that might indicate where I get on those players. But some of the things that stood out to me when just looking at it, strokes gain, t to green, of course, is a great indicator. Strokes gain approached. Your par four is gained because this is a very difficult course. Your par five is gained because the par fives here are going to be absolutely rigorous more so than anywhere else. Bogey avoidance, now that's usually built into like strokes and t to green, but bogey avoidance will be important here since, I mean, any anytime that you could save par on these courses, it's going to be very valuable. It's going to be almost like birdieing when you're parring some of these holes compared to some of the other players. And then greens and regulations uh, is also one that's going to be important here. So that said, Um, The guy in this 10K plus range that I at least want to just call out and and talk upon here would be Gary Woodland, somebody who has struggled here the past couple of years. You had him finishing T36 here last year, um, but he ended up having a T2 in 2017. The big thing for Gary Woodland his last year, he just couldn't get it done with the putter. He lost almost four strokes with the putter. His short game overall around the green play, lost about two strokes. So that's very, variant, as we've come to know here in just the DFS community. Gary Woodland, as of late, has been better with the putter. Three out of his last four, he's gained on so far this season. This season on tour, he's played in four events and the worst one was, uh, well, the Farmers where he lost two strokes. But after that, he's gained 2.4 at the Tour of Champions. He's gained almost four at the uh, Waste Management and he gained almost one last week at the WDC where he finished T12. So you're in a weaker field, I usually would never like to pay 10K plus for Gary Woodland, but it's very hard when Fleetwood's all the way at 11.6. Not out of play for me, just based on how weak this field did and him being a very consistent and quote-unquote safe player, but that's expensive for a guy who was priced where you usually see Rory and JT and Rom Price. Same thing for Brooks. The injury concerns, yes, he has had a good history here last year, especially Uh, the only top 10 in the field, just a different type of golfer in premier class. But his injury concerns are a real issue for me, but he's not out of play. Ricky Fowler's just game as of late has not been great. And and yes, I think people will chase the course history, but I'd rather just go to Gary Woodland, whose game has been better here, who has had a T2 finish here like Ricky's last year. Obviously, Ricky, Ricky winning the event in 2017, but I just like the recent form a little bit more on Gary Woodland coming off of the WGC, where he gained seven total strokes, six off the tee, 1.5 on approach, only lost around the greens, um which again is something that has been his issue for a while now. I mean, if you look back for the last 20 tournaments he's been in, he's losing strokes around the green. If you look back recently, uh, his last right now four tournaments, he's losing strokes around the green. So I'm not too worried about a green play here. I'm more worried about your your approach play. He's gained so far in every contest he's been in in tournament. Gary Woodland on approach this season. He's the guy in that upper 10K range that stands out to me. This 9K range is, is, is kind of a mixed bag here. You have the young guys in, um, in Sanjay M and, and you have Victor Hovland. You have some of the older staples of the tour who are now ranked outside of the top 10. And Justin Thomas, Louis in this field. Hovland coming off of his first win at the Puerto Rico Open. Gets the price bump. I think he looks fantastic. There's not much I have to say about him. He's tied for um, first with uh, Benny On in this field in number one in T to green stats. He's fine on approach. He's fine in a lot of spots. Just expect a lot of ownership to go his way, especially after a win last week. The guy I want to look at, and I'm very curious to see if there's ownership on it. He's priced at a spot where you never want to pay $9,200 for Billy Horschel, but he's been very good. He was tied for fairways gain, so accuracy really last week um, at the WGC event. Uh, it, at that event, he's coming off a of back-to-back T9s after um, not having a great start to the year at uh, the A-Max where he missed a cut, 68 at Farmers, but he's gained 10 strokes last week, 7.8 at um, Waste Management, and the putter's just been hot, right? It's probably unsustainably hot at Waste Management, gained five strokes putting but this is a guy who's a great putter. Over his last 20 tournaments, he's actually gaining two strokes with the putter. Now you're getting him on Bermuda Green, so he's also gained 3.1 strokes at WGC. So you're getting good work with the putter here. You've actually seen the approach play come along the last two contests he's been in when he's finished in the T10. The issue for me is, look, if there's no ownership, I'm fine going back to Billy Horschel. He's been accurate off the T as well. The issue for me is that he's priced up $1,000 more than you really ever want to pay for him, but... Unlike really anybody else in this range, Sunjay was here last year, finished T61. Billy Horschel has played here for the past five years or at least the past five tournaments at this venue. So he's had two top 10 finishes. He's had three top 20 finishes and mixed in with a couple of cuts the last five years. So it is at least good to see as much as I hate course history when you're comparing it to a very difficult course and somebody has been there at least a handful of times over the last couple of years compared to guys in this field who just have never been there. Yeah, it makes him a little bit more appealing. I think that Billy Horschel uh, stands out as somebody that I have some interest in. Um, Getting down to this 8K range now, this is a a fine range, in my opinion, Like another mixed bag and a fine range relative to the players in the field. I mean, if this was the 8K range in a major or anything, it would would look absolutely terrible. But you're talking about Tommy Fleetwood being the most expensive player and Gary Woodland in the 10K range. I think there's some pieces down in this range that we can get to. And one of the pieces that I think looks extremely well, especially based on the way that he's playing as of late, it's going to be Daniel Berger, 28 to one. I already bet to take it on him. Um, Daniel Berger was the first player that I have bet on this board. Uh, I have bet two total. We'll get to the other one when we get there. But Daniel Berger, uh, best finish here was a T2, finished second in 2015. But he's been fine, made the cut the last two years, but he's been playing better than he really ever has at this point. So when Daniel Berger was actually here last year, he ended up getting Daniel Berger really struggling on approach, which matters here, lost 4.6 strokes. That's where you'll get absolutely eaten up on this course is just on your approach play. But over his last 20 contests, he's gaining on approach. Over his last five tournaments, he's gaining 1.4 strokes on approach. So that play has become a lot better coming into this contest. And now you have him with two top 10 finishes coming off at the AT&T pro M and at the Waste Management. He's been fantastic. He gained everywhere for that T5 finish at the AT&T. The approach play was clicking. The putter, the putter, 7.6 strokes gained. him up. betting on that at the Waste Management. But that was good to see over his last 20 rounds. He's somebody who is very few people in this field are gaining everywhere across the board. Strokes gain total, T to green approach with a putter, your, your short game. Uh, so Daniel Berger at $8,900. I like him a lot here. I like the fact that he's played here um, for the past three years and plus years and has history. I think that Daniel Berger is a player that's coming on and playing very well. Recent form is clicking. It matches up with setting up at this course. Course history is a factor there and the price point's pretty nice. 28 to 1 odds is a guy that I like to bet outright as well. So that's the guy in the 7k range. You can talk me into some of these other players. Um, I think Grillo and Corey Connors match up pretty much every week. Very similar. Their T to green game is, is good. Their off the T game for a guy like Connors is fantastic. T to green for Grillo is fantastic. Their approach play is both really good. And that matters here. What the hell do they do when they get on the putting surface of those Bermuda greens? If, You tell me that Corey Connors finally has a good day there. Well, he's had one in like the past 10 contests he's been in. Everywhere else, he's losing strokes left and right. Same can be said for Manuel Grillo, who's actually coming off of a T5 finish at the Puerto Rico Open, where he got some stuff together, but their games match up beautifully here on a tough course. It is not as good of a field, so they have more upside. It is a spot where you need to be very, one, good tee to green. They're good there. And two, you have to be very good, not long off the tee, but very good when it comes to your approach play. They're both really good there. Problem is the putters. So I think, as always, they're in play, but um, it's a risk. 7k range so we'll start at the top with kevin strillman who played here last year at a t71 he would have probably been cut based on the new rules of t65 now and not t70 in ties um, but kevin strillman is a guy who's been playing well so far this season sort of a mixed bag playing well as of late when you considered the t2 that he had at the at&t uh, finished 45th at the farmers and then mixed in there was a cut at waste management and his first appearance back in january 19th at the amax so you got a lot of things clicking for him game 15 strokes at the um at the at the at&t gained a lot on approach which is good to see and just over his last 20 tournaments, he's getting 1.6 strokes on approach. So he's somebody who matches up with this course pretty well. His Vegas odds seem like he's maybe a couple hundred dollars on their price at most here. Um, the putter was fine last week. Again, he's a player over his last 20 contests, similar to Burger, that is gaining everywhere his last 20 tournaments. Over his last five tournaments, he's only losing one stroke on approach which again, if you're losing that here at this type of a course, a lot of people are probably going to average that. So um, yeah, I think that he looks like a decent option on the top end. You can see I got some other guys starred like um, Russell Knox at 76, I think is a pretty solid bet week in and week out. Brian Harmon's T to green game is is okay enough for me to feel okay getting there. Kurt Kitayama is another younger talent that you have yet to see here and yet to see really hit a ceiling, but has a ceiling in him. A weaker field is probably the spot you want to target him. Taylor Gooch, here's the guy that I'm going to recommend, and really, when I recommend him, there's not much for me to go off of. This is a guy who's barely making cuts at the A-Max at the Farmers, finished outside the top 40. AT&T was, like, finishing dead last, um, and then at the Genesis, he finished T30, his best performance yet because he got hot on approach, his best approach play rounds um, so far in a very long time his best approach play around in in almost four years since 2016 at barbosa uh, is going to be our our buddy here that i usually like to play in and the, and the stats usually love him but it's gonna be cameron Trangale. he just fits the bill on t to green he fits the bill on approach play he has yet another player over his last 20 tournaments that is gaining on uh, on the board everywhere, and he's gaining 1.7 on approach. Uh, really, whenever you look back, he's just been a strong approach play. Last five rounds, gaining over a stroke. Um, last 10, gaining two strokes. Last 20, gaining almost two strokes, 1.7. So he's a guy who the stats and really finished. Stats will like for this course. Finishing positions will look terrible. He's $7,100. Just get me a cut here. He's played here each of the last five years, and he has three cuts under his belt. Best finish was actually T36 last year when he was here. Last year, you had – I want to see pretty much – you had him really just struggling – not even short game because the putter was fine, but I guess around the green play. He lost almost six strokes around the green. He was one of the worst in the entire field. And if I pull it up, I wouldn't be shocked if Cameron Chingali was. Yes, he was the worst in the field last year around the green, but he was fine off the tee. He was fine on approach. The putter actually got hot. He gained four strokes with the putter that ended up finishing top 15 in the tournament. The problem is he finished dead last in around the green play. Now you're talking about a player who historically over the last 20 rounds is gaining almost a stroke around the green. So It it, it was obviously an outlier performance for him to be the worst in the field at that. Uh, And outside of that, he still finished T36. So Cameron Chingali is the guy in the, the low 7K range that stands out to me. Start getting to the 6k range and what is already been classified by myself a couple of times as a weak contest, and then obviously you're going to get players that don't really stand out all that much. And and before we keep going, I'll just say please hit the subscribe button, rate and review over here on on the podcast versions, subscribe, unsubscribe to be entered into the the weekly $20 raffle I have now implemented. And on the YouTube version, hit that subscribe button. We are now 600 subscribers away from 20,000, a big key number for myself, a nice, round, wholesome number. So I do appreciate it. And the big thing, hit the notification bell. Hitting the notification bell allows these videos to potentially not maybe the DFS ones but some of the more ones shaped towards uh the nfl regular season like top five running back videos things that can potentially go viral when you hit the notification bell uh, bell it could potentially funnel in a lot more of my following which then can kind of explode the algorithm a little bit and show it on a trending page uh, which allows more people to see that type of video so appreciate it if you hit the notification and subscribe on youtube and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review so Next up is this range where I think there's a good amount of options here. Just, I mean, Tom Hogue has had a fine year so far. Dylan Fertelli can always get hot. Um, There's a decent amount of options to just kind of sprinkle into lineups and and feel okay about. I'll scroll down a little bit. Um, Tyler McCumber. Cam Piercy is the one that I'll actually pull up and talk about a little bit here. So last time we saw him was in January at the Farmers. Uh, Who's his best performance that you've seen in a long time for Cam Piercy? And the problem for me is really trying to to, to make something of it because he had his best stroke skin approach play um, that we've seen in, in really since, I don't know, 2012, 2013, the furthest database that I have here. So a 7.6 stroke gain on approach for Cameron, Piercy there and that's the main issue is can you really rely on that for a guy who then missed the cut at the sony missed the cut at the amax and, and has really not done much since the Safeway, where he finished t7 and sanderson farm t11 back in september of last year i think the big thing for him is that um, his problem is his short game but he's not losing terribly on it like he's been losing on a uh, in the short game this year uh, but if you look at the last 20 rounds more historical data on his putting it's looked a little bit better he's just had a couple of rough rounds when he missed the cut at the amax and the sony So I think, I mean, you're paying for a guy who's 6,500. You're not looking for um, anything electric here. I think that his game matches up well here. When you talk about approach play, Um, gaining over two strokes over the last five rounds, gaining the last 20 tournaments, he's gaining uh, a stroke, on approach. He looks fine off the tee. And you're talking about him just beating out the other guys down here around him, like TJ Trahan, who can be anywhere across the board, Kevin Tway, Kevin Potter. I do like him a little bit more than those types of players. And now we're getting to the part of the show where it's a dumpster dive below 6,500 that if you have none of these guys, I'm completely fine with that, but you might want to have somebody down here. I think Jason Duffner, I mean, he's played here the last five years and he's actually had success. He's had three top 20s and he's made the cut every single year, although he finished dead last last year here um, after the cut. So uh, he's a guy who does stand out as just experience more so than anything else if you're trying to bank on that. But I'll give you some, some, I'll give you a real bad name, that you'll be like, why do I want to play him? And I'll be like, "Ah, well, there's some upside here in his game. Uh, Sep Straka. Sepp Straka at 6300 Again, we're talking about a $6,300 player. He did finish T4 at the A-Max, which was his second appearance after making the cut at the Sony. Three straight mixed cuts since then. Um, and he's just been really bad in a lot of different areas. His off-the-T game has been the thing that's kind of dragging him down the most. His missed cut at the Genesis, he lost almost two strokes there. Over two strokes, lost at the Waste Management off the team. Oh, what is something to be a very difficult course, though, for a lot of players who aren't good there? And Genesis was a very strong field. So if we're trying to take some things away from this, it's that his approach play over the last 20 tournaments is actually a positive. His main thing, though, is that, look, he's a $6,300 player. You're going to see him losing strokes in a lot of different areas. And he can get really bad on approach as well as he can get good. You saw him at the Amax gain 5.6 strokes on approach. You saw him at the Sony lose 5 strokes on approach, I believe, the week before that. So um it's not a a great play at 6300 but i think the game does set up for a guy who has that type of high ceiling upside right i mean you've had t4s twice over the last six months or so at the houston open in october and at the amax this is a guy who is very much boomer bust scott harrington is the last guy i'll talk about here uh scott harrington usually a guy on these smaller courses that i like to get to the the difficulty of this course might concern me haven't seen him here yet either but Another guy that I'll call out that has missed his last four cuts, at Waste Management, Farmers, AMAX, hasn't made the cut since the Sony where he finished T57. I'm literally recommending bad players so far this year on their recent form, but they're in the weakest field that they've probably been in all year long. And at least this course sets up for him. Um, a spot like Waste Management, AMAX, they don't set up as well for Scott Harrington. at and Pro-Am doesn't set up as well probably for Scott Harrington, whereas this course will. Um, it's going to set up shorter. It's going to be more difficult, but that kind of puts these bad or worse players that Thrive on their shorter game and some of their accuracy um, in a better spot. Now, the big issue for Scott Arrington is just his T to Green game has not been accurate as of late. If you try and take it out over the last 10 rounds, yeah, he's gaining almost two strokes on approach. Last 20, yeah, he's gaining over a stroke on approach. Last five tournaments, so far, pretty much this year, he's losing T to Green. So the concern is that his historical data has been very accurate. He's looking good T to Green. This year, he's not. And that's why he's priced where he is. If he had been performing as he has been in his last 10 and 20 tournaments compared to his last five, He'd probably be an upper 6K uh, price player. So I think he's at least interesting for a rebound at some point. Um, maybe switching over to these Bermuda Greens will help him there. So that's our Matt. That's each price ranges, and I'll go up to the top range. It's a very weak field. Um, so I have no issues if people want to say, I'm starting my lineup with Victor Hovland and Sanjay Jm, and I don't have to touch the 6K range because the 6K range is disgusting. No issues with that at all. Uh, if people want to start the alliance with Gary Woodland and then drop down to uh, Daniel Berger and Benny Aynon, no issues with that at all. I do think that there's a lot of security in Tommy Fleetwood's $11,600 price tag, but with that security comes a very, very hefty fine. Ricky Fowler's game has been a little bit shaky. Brooks Koepka's has as well because of his injury, but he's the most premier player in this field. So it is an interesting tournament where no, no price range feels secure at all. I would say that I like the 9K range the most. That run of Hovland, Im, Billy Horschel, and even Shane Lowry look pretty good to me, in my opinion. Uh, but none of these guys feel secure at their price points. I think DraftKings made it a very difficult week for a contest that uh, should be pretty fun to at least tune into uh, right after the WGC heading into the Florida swing. So thanks for tuning into the Honda Classic PGA DraftKings Fantasy Golf Breakdown Show by Sal Vetri myself on the podcast version. Appreciate you people out there. Hopefully, hopefully you can hit the subscribe button and join the community on the YouTube version. Hit that subscribe button and notification bell. Appreciate you all tuning in and best of luck. I will see the rest of you, the patrons in the final thoughts for this show on Wednesday. It's a podcast over on Patreon. You can get that linked up down below. Peace out game.